What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode five of Gatekeeper Media's In the Mix with Parked Podcast. My name is Mitch Phillips. Joining me is my co-host, Zach Harrison. How are you doing, brother? Doing really well. Doing uh, really well. Played some bad disc golf this weekend myself. Oh, uh, You want to talk about that or you want to leave it to what we're here to talk no, about? No, dude, I can't talk about it. <laughs> I get too angry. <laughs> it gets too angry. You signed an NDA. It was a big tournament no one knew about. Uh, no, it, you know, it happens. You play some good ones. You play some bad ones. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't get to play a lot of disc golf. I was pretty busy this weekend. But uh, man, let's talk about what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Where is the disc golf pro tour this week? Jonesboro. Arkansas, 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 in some parts, as some people call it, for the Jonesboro Open presented by Play It Again Sports. We talked about this last week at the end as we were kind of doing a preview. I think it's awesome that Play It Again Sports has sponsored this event for so yeah. many years. I mean, that's where I get a lot of discs. I know that's where a lot of people do. I have some discs that have been in my bag for five, six years that I got for seven bucks in a used bin at yeah. Play It Again Sports. Like, oh, yeah. It's just synonymous with disc golf. I think it's the most accessible way that a lot of people buy their first disc. So pretty cool to have a Pro Tour event sponsored by that. Um, what course are we at, dude? It's called the Disc Side of Heaven and is very aptly named as it is a gorgeous course yeah the rolling hills i mean it's just it's beautiful like it's just it has a peacefulness to it um but let's talk about some there was a couple of changes some t-pads getting moved here and there that kind of made the lines a little bit more uh difficult but also i think just kind of stopped people from really breaking the course it wasn't as much like over the top shots mm-hmm. it kind of was making some more lines happen but something that i loved and i want to point out here is a huge sign on hole one that was an electronic sign that had the players like the card that was coming up their scores the leader it had like a, a rolex freaking huge not rolex uh we're big formula one fans so we're used to the big rolex you know big clocks but it, they do unfortunately, it in tennis too they do it in tennis yeah, as well it yeah. just had this professionalism of this big clock that everything was like current timed and it, it was amazing i thought it was a neat thing for our sport i think the only other time you really see that is probably european open mm-hmm. on 18 and they had the huge scoreboard like written out but it did have that like professionalism on it yeah it makes me feel much better about the way that the the game itself is shaping out because right. you know you see people changing the way they're dressing mm-hmm. more professional right uh, you see a lot of players that are trying to, you know, have caddies with them pretty mm-hmm. much all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the process that we're taking. Yeah, and it's these little things that I think make these courses more memorable. When we have tournaments, we talked about it last week with the Champions Cup, um, that are going to be in the same places, and so many of the courses on tour are on tour and they have been for so many years so having these kind of plans set in the future whether it's t-pads whether it's upgrades whether it's a freaking sweet sign i think that just goes to show like the legitimacy of like where we're headed so i loved it i thought it was awesome um let's talk about the weather we were in the woods last week at our lovely home state of georgia and uh not an extremely long drive from there and we're out in the open we're in the woods we knew it was in the wind we knew it was going to be windy yeah we we called it Last week, wind was consistent throughout the entire tournament. Yep. I think in the mornings, I think the FPO field had to deal with it a little bit more. I would agree Maybe they had bigger gusts, but I think throughout the day, you saw those trees in the footage just mm-hmm. going back and forth, up and down. It was a lot. Yeah, there were some discs that were doing some pretty funky things. Um, FPO, I think, had it worse. I know the beginning of the final round, round three, it was like a, a squall coming through, black skies. Like It, it was not a not a pretty picture of mm. you're about to go play disc golf in this. Thankfully it did blow over pretty quick. Um, but I feel like even though that was windy, a course like this is scorable still yeah. in the wind. Some holes are more difficult than others. Some of the Island holes get a little tougher as we, you know, have come to see. Um, yeah. but I liked it. I think it said, uh, I think it was Chris Dickerson 
that mentioned it in an interview I listened to saying, you know, like it's an easy transition to go from a wooded course into an open course. Uh, the lines are already, you know, mentally already there um, compared to the other where it's like, okay, now I got to really hit lines. But Shit I feel like a course all. like this was kind of a nice in between. I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, it, I mean, it provides enough obstacle, mm-hmm. those big, I can't say the other word, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> Oak trees that were yeah. just sitting out on there. Everyone had to fend for themselves. You know, yeah. sometimes you had to throw it right around the tree or under right. the tree or hard to go over the tree. Some people did it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great course, well-designed. A lot of the, the wind flipped over a lot of the FPO players I saw. Mm-hmm. Some of those big drives that they had to do, they tend to throw it on Anheuser to get full flex. Right. And the wind said, not going to have it. We're mm-hmm. going to carry it off into the distance. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think, of course, you mentioned the trees. I think you had some lines that were needed to hit, but uh, they mentioned it on a couple of different commentaries during live coverage, Joma's Gatekeeper, wherever you're watching it. Each one of them mentioned it a couple of times, how low some of these trees hang, mm-hmm. that they're not just like, oh, you got brush low. It was like, here's a full tree that is a shrub, like low limb, people having to go to a knee, yep. but the rough was more honestly based on footing it wasn't like you were off the course as much like you had bad lies it was like hey there was some rain there was some weird footing there was some casual water that came into play and you were trying to think do i want an uphill run up do i want a downhill run up there was more of that thought process which i like and that's why i mean heading in a different part of the country yeah you get a different way of playing it absolutely um, but let's get into a segment we call running it back with idio sports head over to idiosports.com to be able to get your piece of disc golf history they are coming so soon Coming in the month of May, as far as I know. Um, so, so excited for everyone to get their feet into I'm those idio sports. Literally can't wait. Craig, get them out to us, dude. We're hyped. I'm so excited. I, I really just <laughs> want to put those shoes on my feet. I'm not going <laughs> to I know everyone here listening that bought a pair is as well. So, um, let's go. We have two this week. Um, Calvin Heimberg. We're going to go back to 2020 when he won this event, the Jonesboro Open, against Paul McBeth by one stroke. And if you're listening to this podcast, no spoilers. He actually took down this tournament again against Paul McBeth in a playoff by one stroke, if you will. So kind of cool to see the battle continue in 2020 and yeah. also again here. But the one I want to, I mean, this is a crazy statistic and not really a statistic, more of like a fact of like, this is what has happened. Yep. The FPO field in 2020, 13 strokes separated Paige Pierce over Katrina Allen. In 2021, eight strokes separated Katrina over Paige. So you get the flip-flop, the battle. And then this year, 10 strokes Kristen over Missy Gannon. I don't know what it is about this course, but it produces some very large leads between first and second place. And it's funny that we've seen it flip-flop because Mm -hmm. it plays to some players' advantages, but other times you see them really come out and struggle. Yeah, you know, we'll get into it, but Paige kind of got out here and struggled until Mm -hmm. the final round. Um, But it it is interesting to see the spread. Yeah, I I don't know if it's just the combination of throws that it has to take, the consistency, and if you're feeling it, you have no issues. You're taking those down. Right. You're hitting the par fours and the par fives. You're shaping the shots, and then some people just can't hang Mm -hmm. for three rounds. Yeah, and to see it, that consistency of 13 strokes, 8 strokes, 10 strokes, and that's just between first and second. Yeah. I mean, 13 strokes in 2020? That's Anything is possible. I mean, in between, let's see, I can pull it up right here. In 2021, it was the 8 strokes and then another 
three and then another six. I mean, the, the separation, yeah. I feel like at this tournament, we'll have to look at it throughout the year. But right now, that was something that just kind of popped up and was just kind of came to mind of like, wow, there's been some serious differences in first to second place and just the podium in the rest of the field. Yeah. Um, as the field grows, we're going to talk about FPO here in a second. I think that's going to change. I think as we continue on, I was surprised that happened this year. I thought that it would be closer as we've seen a lot of the tournaments so far stay very close. Mm -hmm. um, but before we get into the FPL recap, let's jump into the highlights. Of course, the aces had two completely opposite aces uh, in round one. Aaron Gossage, shout out to you, man. Hole eight, the forehand blind around the corner, 324 feet to a raised basket. Definitely one that everyone is hunting down. And if you don't hit basket on that, yeah. it's a scary green. I was going to say, if the basket doesn't catch it, going in the woods. Oof. Mm -hmm. that's the one that Macbeth hit the short putt and then rolled all the way down the hill and hit the immediate back to kind of put it in your mind yep. I mean just such an incredibly cool hole and then tell me about the other one yeah Mark Chapelonis with the ace in round three on hole 15 so uh Aaron Gosh's Aaron Gossage's ace on hole eight was a forehand blind yep. ace this one was a backhand blind ace around the corner it's 270 I think is what it was right around there yep. all the way in Straight to the chains, Mark and Aaron. Congratulations yeah, on freaking those sweet down. to hit it on a on a raised basket and yeah. blind. Oh my like gosh. definitely the two holes. I think other than is it hole six? We talked about just like wanting that to be aced oh, right yeah. there in front of you. Oh, yeah. But to have two blind aces, one forehand, one backhand. I mean, we didn't make this up. This is this is true. So Got I mean, it. it's freaking cool. Um, let's move into. We're gonna flip it up this week and go with the FPO. Um, this is gonna be short and sweet. Chris Tatar. All right, let's talk about the MPO. Moving on. Uh, no, no, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, the FPO, Kristen freaking Tatar. She's not going to slow down. No. I, I, we talked I, about it last week, going into Champions Cup in the recap of that. Man, what, what does she need to do to take it to the next level? She's been so close. She has not finished off the podium mm -hmm. this year. And, I mean, break down some of the stuff that went down here. I mean, she is playing with consistency that's really unmatched. Right. We we don't see such a high level performance three rounds in a row. Mm -hmm. Everyone else that played consistently was not at that echelon. Right. Missy coming in second was able to go minus five, minus four, minus five with consistency. Right. But Kristen went minus 10, minus six, and then minus eight. Yeah. So it's just like even a very, very clean round like Missy Shot isn't enough to catch up with someone who is hot round consistently yep. each round of a tournament. And the consistency was definitely there because there was two bogeys on her entire three rounds. Two bogeys. On a course where there was rollaways, there was wind, there's raised baskets, there's OB very OB close everywhere. behind. And to see that, I mean, that's how you win a tournament. I, I was shocked to realize that. I mean, I was watching a lot of the live coverage, watched some of the GK Pro coverage. Um, dude, two bogeys on the whole weekend. Yeah, when you saw holes. Yeah, when you saw some people take multiple back-to-back, -back, you saw, I mean, we'll get to Paul McBeth in a bit, bogeyed the same two holes in two rounds back-to-back. Mm -hmm. -back. I mean, mm -hmm. there was difficulty here, and she just played so consistent at another level to take it down by 10 yeah even when she was running her putts mm -hmm. 
I don't think a single comebacker was outside the circle. No, and she was running everything. She was up by seven going into the final round. Yeah. I mean, and she was running it, I mean, on a, on a raised basket, Obi behind hitting a 45-footer. It wasn't yeah. like a, man, just played safe. I was doing it. No, she didn't come off that game plan of I am here to prove a point. I've placed top three, and I'm going to freaking do it this weekend. In her interview after the after the win, she said, I, I don't think about scores. Hmm. I play my game. And that's all I do. Yeah. She's like, I, I pay attention to me. I know that if I start paying attention to other people, it throws me off my game. So that's what I do. I'm focused. I'm centered. And I play my game. And she's shooting the hottest round all three rounds. Yeah. I think we saw her, I believe it was last year, um, when she won one. She then won two to three in a row before she went back to the uh, to Europe. Um, she has, I believe DDO is really the last one of a lot of European players before they head back to PCS Sula to European Open. Um, yeah. So we're kind of reaching that first stint of european players we'll talk more about them in that segment um but i mean yeah there's nothing else to be said other than dominance i mean absolutely it's powerful yeah um big big shout out though i mean missy gannon amazing rounds i said it already the consistency we saw out of out of missy this weekend was awesome congratulations missy it's great to see you rising up and and taking a podium for the first time this season that's awesome um Cat Merch coming tied for third. Mm-hmm. Also had some really hot rounds. Yep. Um, round one was six under through the front nine. Yeah, and this is her home state. I don't know how close she lives to here, um, but she's had some consistency already this time. I mean, she she posted on Instagram, I believe it was, I don't know if it was Vegas off the top of my head. I can't remember which one it was. Um, I can glance at it right now. But she said that was her first top five finish in a pro tour event was this year. Wow. And then to now have her a podium finish, I mean, yeah, it's tied for fourth at Waco, Waco. sorry. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, it's incredible. The the growth, and I mean, she can throw far. She's got the shots. It's just finding that consistency, finding that confidence. I want to jump back mm-hmm. to Missy Gannon real quick, though, too, because that's another confidence that we expected yep. coming into this. She took down Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championships at, the, at Winthrop, then takes down Disc Golf Pro Tour Championships, breaks the single-season payout record in FPO, yeah. and then comes in and honestly has had not the best start. And it was kind of surprising to see that happen. But now it was a, a dominant. We saw her with great putts. Mm-hmm. We saw her. She's not the furthest thrower in the FPO field. But on some of these courses, you don't need to be. No. And it was amazing to be able to see. I was excited. I love watching Missy play, the confidence that she has. I mean, she's had a couple top 10 finishes here and there. But it's not been this the Missy Gannon that we saw at the end of last year. Yeah, you're um, right. And I think the same is true with Kat. She just kind of was warming up and was, you know, was making some top 10 finishes, really moving up the leaderboard towards the end of last year. And then we get here, and she's on the podium. Mm-hmm. She's on lead card multiple days. Another player, Ella Hansen. Yeah. Someone who throws extremely far, was in the distance competition at Throw Pink last mm. year, um, has an ultimate background, just an absolutely incredible human. Um, had gotten to interview, interview her a couple of times amazing rounds of her as well kind of an unfortunate round two but i mean minus six in round one minus two round two and minus four in round three i mean found some consistency there even with some double bogeys missing the island Mm -hmm. you know but she i mean even the scrambling her putting wasn't all the way there but showing that she has the skill to do it yeah watching her on uh the disc golf network Mm -hmm. was a joy yeah, seeing her play, she you can tell she has that confidence. Right, you can tell she's not afraid to go for those shots that she knows she can hit. And honestly, I I thought she was playing better than some of the people that 
ended up ahead of her, but it was a few of those shots, a few of the strokes that she had to took, yeah. had to took, had to take. <laughs> Let's get my uh, verbiage conjugation. Um, a couple of shots that she yeah. took, just just threw her outside of that. Yeah, top one two. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just showing that she has the skill to do it. It's just when does she want to actually commit to it? And this is saying, hey, I got a podium finish at an Elite Series event. Oh, yeah. I'm here to stay. We're headed to a course very similar that she has excelled at in the past at Dynamic Dis Open. Uh, we'll do a preview with that at the end. A player that I had never really heard of. I've heard the name here and there. But tying for fifth, Holland Handley. I mean, this is her first year on tour. Last year she played, I believe it was like five events, but the ones that she did play last year, she's number 17 in the world. And we haven't, I mean, it's not a household name. No. She's from California. Last year in 2021, she jumps on and plays the Silver Series at the Challenge at Goat Hill, gets third out of nowhere, turned pro in 2020. I mean, dynamic disc sponsor player. And you were saying, I was like, I don't really know who this is. She's a similar play style to a page, does her hair similar. I mean, like it was just like, yeah. we don't, who, who is this person we're seeing on coverage and gets a top five finish. Yeah. I, I mean, the consistency we see out of her as well after her bogey on hole one, is this round two, round three? Yeah. Um, in round three, she did not bogey the rest of that round. Yeah. She had birdie birdie par birdie birdie and yeah. then some pars and some birdies strung together right. but that coming out super strong it's great to see yeah because you know it's a gettable course but it's also a painful course if you mm -hmm. can't hit those shots so shout out to her yeah holland for sure for holland i mean it was putting in round three round three she had 85 percent c1x putting wow i mean just a player i mean pretty young i'm not sure how old she is but turning pro in 2020 i assume yeah. she's a younger player 80 percent um, fairway hits i saw too. yeah i mean her scramble is on point a player i mean we've talked about it in the past over on parked podcast is there's players coming up that you've never heard of yeah that that didn't say i played soccer for for 15 years like i like i did you know or i played baseball or i have a, this background there are players coming up that are worth starting to see that is this next generation of they played disc golf since ever that was yeah. the sport they played when they were kids Gosh, like so cool it's so cool it's humbling that yeah. our sport is getting there and i i mean you got to expect that holland is one of those people um someone who's been on the tour probably longer than holland has ever held a disc katrina allen also tying for fifth year world champion last year i mean slow start to her rounds minus one then minus four then minus six but continually fixed mistakes and progressed that's just it's a world championship mentality that she has and is built and if she's hot she's hot if she's not she finds her way to become that yeah absolutely she was attacking yeah she came at this course head first and definitely made some mistakes right um you know left herself open and vulnerable at times and the course took advantage of that but yeah. in that last round she only had two bogeys mm -hmm. and still put together eight birdies yeah which is a very impressive round that that back nine she took it down mm-hmm so it was cool to see Cat out there. Honestly, though, I love seeing the new new names, new faces yeah. pulling up in the podium. It's great. Yeah, another name that is not a new face or a new name is uh, Paige Pierce. Very, after winning a Champions Cup, I mean, it's a very different style course. But this is a tournament that she has won. I mean, let's, let's scroll back up here that we just talked about during running it back with Idio Sports. Um, she won by 13 strokes two years ago here. Yeah. And then she shoots even and then minus one, and then it's just too little too late for a push of minus eight in the final round. I don't know where that was. I didn't see her very active on social media. She tends to not be very active during the tournament right? Um, and takes that time to be able to focus. But yeah, just some, and it wasn't even that she had a lot of bogeys. 
it was just a lot of pars. Lots maybe of pars. something was off. We didn't really see her on coverage very much no. because she was a little bit further down the leaderboard. No. Uh, some errant throws. Getting off the tee was a little bit of a struggle for her. And then her putting just was not the same as what we're used to. We're used yeah. to that snap and send it from 60. Right. And it, it she was missing metal from, mm. from outside the circle pretty consistently for those birdies. Uh, and you could tell it kind of got under her skin after yeah. a little while, but she composed herself. She came back and improved each round, you know, eight down in that last round. That's that's a hot shot. Yeah, and as we wrap up, I want to talk about two people that I expected to do really well at this tournament. Uh, one of those being Haley King. That was my pick to, to take it down. Had some good rounds at Champions Cup and is a player that does well on these open courses and has the distance, has it. She said she hasn't had the most confidence in her forehand. Maybe that played into it a little bit. Um, but Haley King being tied for 10th and another one, Kona Panis. I mean, she had an eighth place, eighth place finish at Champions Cup. I believe that was one of her first top tens of the year. So kind of we had this confidence coming into this of she's she's learning the bag. She's finding, you know, finding herself a little bit. But then, I mean, just just off. I mean, I don't even think she was under par. Yeah, or she finished minus one for the tournament. How how long? You're you're a manufacturer. And you just signed one of the biggest FPO deals, how long would you expect for them to feel like I've got my bag dialed in? I mean, you're a top pro. I mean, I would say Kona's in that top 10 of when it comes to that. I mean, let's glance at her world ranking right now. I mean, she is number 14, 14. so she's dropped a little bit this year. But coming into this year, I believe she was a top 10 player in the world. Um, I, I think, I don't know, if I'm a manufacturer and I'm expecting greatness out of someone, uh, slow start is expected. It's a new bag. But I would say, I mean, maybe the first third. So we're kind of hitting that point of like maybe six to seven tournaments in. She needs a stride. And honestly, looking at these stats right here, it's her putting. Yeah. I don't, I've seen her play insanely well, but I've also seen her choke on the greens. Yeah. And having 38% yeah, circle final one. Round. I mean, some of the other rounds, not as bad, but the, there's not a circle two percentage to be said. No. Um, so it's got to be that. But just someone that I was just kind of scrolling through the leaderboard, just wanted to shout out, and not in a mean way or anything, but literally just saying, like, you know, we were expecting more. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there we was would an like excitement. To see right. A better performance. Yeah. There was like an expectation of what's to come. But man, I think, I, I mean, we could have literally, like I, I joked at the beginning, could have stopped and just said, Chris and Tatar, take um, it down by 10 strokes. Close it up. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about our picks for Dynamic Disc Open heading into uh, next week. Yeah at the time of this recording this week because it starts in three or four days from now um but let's jump into the fpo man you meant or sorry to say MPO, mpo because we i'm yeah. reading things backwards but <laughs> the mpo um my goodness there were some just huge highlights yeah let's talk about the hot rounds first yeah alden harris georgia guy yes sir yes yes <laughs> super friendly guy love alden harris Round one shoots minus 11. Yeah. What a hot round. Yes, sir. I was stoked. I, I really wanted... All of the Facebook pages in Atlanta. Everyone, all, just, all the local Georgia guys yeah. were giving him shout outs. It was cool to see. It was cool to see because yeah. we know we don't get it very often, but bogey free and gets eight out of nine holes on the back nine. He got eight birdies out of nine and the only one he missed was the 520 foot par three which has to be the perfect touch yeah i mean less than 10 of those in the on the round one so i mean it, it was insane and just so exciting to be able to see alden be able to do that we'll talk a little bit more of him uh later on but something that was shocking 
if you would have, this would have happened five to, you know, six years ago, I, I would have been like, yeah, this is normal. Yeah. But uh, Simon Lazat shooting minus 13 in round two. Yeah. Talk about the comeback statistic where it just kind of breaks the loop. Yeah. Where one of the worst rounds probably he's thrown yeah. in, in, a, in a little while and then coming back, shooting 13 under, improving by 12 strokes yep. and finishing at minus one. Yeah, minus, uh, minus sorry, one it, on the first minus round. Minus one yeah. out of that first round, um, finishing at minus 20 on the tournament. But um, jump, yeah, jumping, this, this is crazy. This is the statistic. Jumps 67 spots. 67 spots. Out of how many? I think it was like 120 in on the field. one round. Yeah, there was 100, 118 or yeah, so yeah. in the field. And in one round, he jumped 67 spots. Cuts that's it in half. Ha- that's what happens when you shoot the hot round. That's all you got to do. Just shoot the hot Just round, shoot Zach. The hot that's round, it. Guys. Simon understood no it. Deal. Just shoot the hot round. No big deal. Um, but yeah, minus 13 was the hottest round of the weekend. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, but man, I think let's do this one a little differently. We're going to walk through the leaderboard, but let's walk through this final round um, to start with. Yeah. We had. It was tied at the top. Calvin Heimberg, Paul Macbeth, Kevin Jones, and Alden Harris on your lead card for the final day. Um, the wind, not as much of an issue in the final day, um, but it just kind of, you expected, we're gonna, we needed to see fireworks. You know on these final days of these Elite Series tournaments, you have to just come in hot and get it done. Yeah, performance um, is key. Walk us through some of the highlights and some of the you know, play-by-play of that final round. Well, so I, as I was watching, I was expecting some some consistent birdies you know hole two is pretty gettable i i really i thought that that lead card was going to be taking pretty consistently the first three or four holes paul ends up taking those three holes instead yeah he gains three strokes on every player on that lead card in three holes yep and i immediately said wow i i uh forgot that i can't count paul out yeah ever and I don't know how I keep forgetting this because he consistently comes back and says, "There was that. What did well, he do? This. There was that thing at the Champions Cup. It was um, what was it? Oh, sixteen under par. Yeah, it was that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just any wild moment. to see. It's just wild to see. <laughs> yeah. So, um, continuing on after after that, Paul kind of hit some some rough patches. Yeah, uh, that was a little tough being able to hit the basket on hole five. Yeah, it is a 495 foot shot downhill. He, OB he, everywhere. Yeah, he hits the base of the bucket, and we can pause on this and kind of talk for a second yeah. because we saw those buckets on the base of the baskets. Yeah, right? those it's not a sponsor koozie, circle thing. Right, yeah. it's not a koozie. It's not soft. It is a literal bucket, and it shotgunned his disc off of the basket and rolled it with force yeah it wasn't like a, oh it's this slow roll down a hill no, no no it was a i hit something i rejected off of it it's part of the course in quotes if you will but eh. i mean I, me personally if you're gonna give me something that's like a bongo bat whacking my <laughs> discs around i'm gonna get mad about it yeah i'm gonna get mad about it i want something that plays like metal where it deadens my right my disc and just leaves it sitting there right. or maybe it launches it 10 feet away but it's not about to just spring it in the opposite direction. Yeah, that was hard to watch. And on, I mean, five and six for Paul in round one, he double bogeyed those back to back in round one. And then in round two, made the corrections. And in round three, he double or he single bogeys five and six. So those holes really just brought a lot of 
difficulty for Paul. Yeah. So as, as Paul loses those strokes on the card mm-hmm. going into hole seven, there was a four way tie. Yep. It was Paul, Calvin, Alden, and KJ. It was all four of them. Or as Yulabari called him, Eldon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny. That is hysterical. Eldon Harris. He's too much of a video game fan yeah. if I had to <laughs> suspect. Eldon ring on the brain. Um, so on hole seven, Paul takes an unlucky chain out for birdie yep. and ends up losing a stroke. Mm-hmm. Paul then hits the basket on hole eight. <laughs> yeah. Can't make the comebacker. No. Nope. And everybody else hits the birdie. It was just so back and forth. It was all over the place. Yeah. As as they go into hole 10, Calvin parks it. Paul gives it a serious ace bid and then misses a birdie again. Mm-hmm. So now Calvin goes up by a stroke. Um, hole 11, uh, Calvin gets it. He literally laces the line and now yeah. they're tied up. Going yep. into hole 12, Calvin and Paul tied up and and going into hole 12 mitch give us a give us a rundown yeah into hole 12 i mean a pretty simple hole no one on really a lot of the mpo field is struggling to get over the out of bounds on hole 12 so you're really just saying where do i want to be here on this par four uh let me glance at it here it's 655 so not the longest of it um and you're blind going on the approach it's uphill it's Mm -hmm. over the way it's to the point where i mean the basket's not moving you don't see a lot of players run up and try to find it um but you kind of just have an idea, throwing a putter, and usually about a 200-ish foot upshot, maybe maybe give or take a little bit less, a little bit more. Kevin Jones decides to uh, give it a, you know, not even trying to give it a bid, just putting it close, and uh, freaking eagles it with a throw-in Gosh. of, uh, they were saying right around that 180, 190-foot mark, and he didn't know. Yeah, it was The, the awesome. crowd didn't know. It was awesome to see it. They, <laughs> they, I think they heard it, and he had his hands on his head, and he was like, is it? Is it in? Is it in? He's like waiting for guys further yeah. on down the fairway to just confirm. What a massive throw in. Mm-hmm. In a, in the round where everything was up and down and back and forth. And yep. Paul, Eagle, Cal, Paul, Eagle, uh, Paul, Calvin, Alden, KJ, Kevin, literally yeah. all back and forth. And then he goes up by two. Yep. Out of nowhere. And at this point, we're on hole 12. And there's not that many huge like scoring holes left there's there's a couple here and there but there's a lot of difficulty to come so a two strokes with five to play or six to play i mean you're in a, a diff a, in a spot where you can kind of say hey i want to try to play my game plan i don't have too much pressure on me um well then we jump into hole let's jump forward into hole 14 where it's the 520 foot par three down the middle i mean just a difficult difficult hole and kevin jones lives up to the name jump putt jones and decides to uh put it pretty close and hit a huge circle two putt on 14 where everyone else didn't have a chance to get a a birdie no no so at this point he's up by three is that right or he was still by two i think he lost out on one so in my notes i have it as they were i have it as they were tied up on 13 so yeah. he was up by one after the eagle and mm-hmm. then calvin gets a bird on 13 yep and then on 14 that's what you were just talking right. about kj hits the nasty birdie yep well while calvin went ob and calvin going ob which gives him that two stroke lead yep so i mean so again huge after throwing it in a couple holes before he's now throwing it get a huge circle two putt then we jump to hole 15 
one of the easiest holes on the course. Yep. I mean, it's what, 270 feet, something like that. I mean, just, I guess Garrett Gerthy aced it a couple of years ago. I mean, yeah. very simple, just backhand hole. Uh, was it Mike Chapelonis was the one who aced it? Is that Chapelonis. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just in Mark, sorry, Mark Chapelonis ace in 15 and this final round as well. So I mean, like very doable. And then he, Kevin just throws a bad shot. I mean, it's inside. He goes discs down to, I believe his distortion, uh, overstable approach disc. And then what does he do again? He's on fire. He's ready to go. Jump putt Jones is here. Freaking <laughs> another huge putt from circle two. I yeah, mean, it was the, a the nasty energy. I, I've missed it. I've missed Kevin Jones energy on a car. We've had Matty O energy, but that's a little bit of a different style. Yeah. But Kevin Jones <laughs> is a, I mean, a collegiate athlete. He is. I have this excitement behind what I'm doing and I'm going to take everyone with me. And man, for him to get go five down over four holes, in the last seven holes of a tournament, the energy was at an all-time high. Absolutely. I I was freaking out in my living room. My <laughs> friends were freaking out. I was getting blown up yeah. with group texts. It was awesome. Heck yeah. So, we move on. We do. We move on to hole 16. Hole 16 is a par 4. Par, sorry, par 5. Mm-hmm. It's an 855-foot shot. Your first shot is pretty crucial, but it's really the second shot that matters the most because yeah, first shot's that, the placement. It of, is a placement. Do I want to go for the green? Do I go over the lake yeah. and try to land it on the green? Kevin finds himself behind one of those large oak trees that mm-hmm. we discussed earlier. Right. Rather than trying to do something stupid and getting something glidey out of his bag, he decides to get closer to the lake. So his uh, his over the lake shot is a little bit easier. Yep. So you see him almost jump putt underneath the limbs of this tree to try to push it toward the water he's a jump putting so far pretty well so just why not (laughs) his putt goes too high and hits the branches and stops maybe 30 to 40 feet past what he what he thought he was going to get so he ends up having to now launch one Mm -hmm. from almost underneath the tree just to get it to the edge of the lake and he does it he does it. I, I don't know how. It was, incredible. it was pretty amazing. There were a couple of other great shots at that point. So Kevin is shooting four from a really, really bad position. Paul, on the other hand, coming in, his second shot. He turned also, his drive over. He turned his drive over, and it put him in a really tough situation. He had to be working from a knee, yep. throwing forehand over the lake. Yep. And in Paul Macbeth fashion, he does it flawlessly and lands five feet from the basket. Yeah, it was, or five from the circle's edge, because he had to hit a big putt. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, as he had a big putt. So he ends up getting the eagle. Calvin as well gets the eagle on hole 16, both from circle two. The eagle three on that hole is nasty. Yeah, how many players on the final round? Let's see. Good amount, actually. Wow. Actually, more than I expected. About, let's yes. see, uh, about, I believe it's 11. Right on 11 players able to get the, the eagle on. So, I mean, definitely doable. But when you're on the lead card, you're tied at the top. With that much pressure. The aggression. And I think we're getting to that point, and we can talk about this for a second. Like, players are getting to the point where their salary is involved. You're not mm-hmm. trying to say, if I don't play well, if I, I if I go OB and if I don't get first or I don't get second, then I'm, I can't get third. It's this mentality of, I need to win. Yeah, which is an amazing thing to have, I think, in our sport and the competitive side of it. Because in previous years, it was man, I'm I'm okay. I can play safe. I can par out from here. If I get top five, I'm coming up positive on the weekend. But our sport's now at the point where 
not to say money isn't a big issue, but for some of these top guys, when you got million dollar contracts, I mean, that sounds kind of mean to say to some of the players that don't, but it's like when you're battling at the top of this, you're running everything. You have to push. We talked about it, Chris and Tatar. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, I got a seven stroke lead. It's I'm game plan. I'm playing. Game plan. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. And my goodness, to get the Eagle on 16. So then we're heading into hole 17. What's the stand looking like? So at that point, uh, Calvin and, and Paul had just taken two strokes on Kevin. Yep. We are, I, th- I think they now have a one stroke lead. Mm-hmm. Calvin and KJ miss a birdie putt on 17. Yep. They both have an opportunity. Paul gets a three on hole 17. And now it is a three-way tie between the three of them, Calvin, KJ, and Paul, going into the final hole of the three-round tournament. Unbelievable situation here. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I've seen a three-way tie going into the last hole of a tournament. No. I mean, hole 18 averages, this. I believe it was the second hardest hole on the, uh, let's see, second or first hardest hole, like, in the top three or four difficulty yep. throughout the whole tournament. Throughout the tournament for, for each individual round. Yeah. So so, so yeah. now they really have to figure out, okay, who is going to hit it and who's going to be left trying to scramble for it. Yep. And we end up, Paul, finding himself in a really nice position. Yep. Heiser flip, gets on that right side. Right side, a very easy approach. Right. Forehand into the green. Calvin, absolute mash this is one of the most insane throws i've ever seen it is allegedly the best drive on hole 18 ever again it is it is an 818 foot hole and calvin puts his drive past the 250 left to the basket marker so he's looking at a a almost 600 foot drive 600 foot drive i on the final hole when you're tied and all the pressure, like literally all the pressure is on and it's nothing but peak performance. Right. And the opposite happens to Kevin. He goes with his game plan forehand. He throws usually an understable forehand driver, um, throws forehand or fairway driver, sorry, forehand flip up and it hits early and he's forced in a really weird footing and just really at this point has to throw it in to even have a chance. Yeah. So he's pretty much out. Paul has is up next, has to put the pressure on Calvin because Calvin just has... And I mean, sub 200 foot upshot. Upshot putt for par. And this is something that Paul does so well. He throws fairway drivers that you'd think would skip, but his speed control into these greens, no matter the surface, it slows down perfectly. And he's within the bullseye within six feet. And now the pressure's back on Calvin after the best drive we've seen all tournament. He is now throwing this shot. What does he do? He goes to the Rhino like he does and puts it kind of in a tester 15, 20 foot range. Ends up canning as well so we are going to a playoff playoffs the playoffs you want to talk about playoffs yeah i want to talk about it so let's talk about it rewind back to we're going to hole one final round paul birdies from i mean not very far at all no he was he was bullseye yeah on hole one 18 holes ago yep calvin having to scramble for the par yeah, and it was a great scramble, oh, yeah. might I add. He mm-hmm. left himself in a terrible situation, yeah. made it look easy to get back inside the circle, and he nails it. Yep. So going into this hole, you're back on hole one, you're instantly thinking, how did I play this hole earlier? Not Don't even what, four, four-ish hours ago. And Paul's up first, and just errant. 
it was an errant throw. It you you see it come out high, and on Heiser, mm-hmm. and immediately you're thinking this is out of here. The reason for this, he you saw Paul throw a shot, and immediately look down at the ground, and then you saw him in the background talking to Jeff Spring, talking to I believe who was maybe a, the TD. I'm not sure who it was by the, his face was in the background of the camera shot while Calvin was setting up a shot, pointing at the tee pad. I, I noticed it this. Then, I didn't know what it was about. You, when they were the, the camera shot setting up for Calvin to throw, you can see that tee pad. They were turf. I don't know if they were laid over something or what, um, but literally like the hard packed ground or gravel or mm. some kind of, you know, like, uh, I forget the name of it, but like the, the kind of crackle, whatever that rock is called, yep. that's like very hard packed. They lay down this like pretty thin turf. It's not very thick turf. You can see where Macbeth went to rotate his heel, and that tee pad has crunched, has moved. The felt or turf actually had rotated, and oh, that man. disc came out early. I went back and watched it in slow-mo, and he never got a full rotation. So the ground underneath him on the tee pad of a playoff hole at a Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite Series event got stuck, and his shoe did not let him come through. Oh, Is that a shoe problem? I don't think so. No, I see why there, he would talk. To and you, I mean, you could see him in the background of coverage talking and pointing at it, going like, "I noticed." There's nothing I noticed you can do about it. about it. I was gonna say, like, what are they gonna say? Everyone's no. playing on the same surface. It's it's not about I don't think the, that moment, but I think it's about future moments, mm. and I think it's about the fact that this is a the biggest moment you're playing for thousands of dollars in differential, and your the tee pad fails. Yeah. We've seen these turf tee pads on some places be great. Some of the others we've seen, I mean, Green Mountain Championships that's playing on, I mean, your patio kind of square stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty, but it's not very, right. you know, plausible. So I don't know. That's something we can talk about in the future. But it, yeah, I was very surprised to see that happen. Um, obviously, hundreds of players have played that. That tee pad has been used all weekend long. Right. Is what it is. Just kind of a, a completely errant shot you don't expect. Nope. Because. Not out of Paul. Macbeth has parked the absolute heck out of it 18 holes ago. Yep. So just something to notice. It was very surprising. Um, Calvin nearly just freaking aces it. I, this is what <laughs> Calvin does best. He <laughs> takes out one of the beefiest discs in his bag. A Halo Destroyer. He overpowers the disc, and it just goes yep. straight line. The fall of flight on Jomas literally just didn't even deviate. All the way to the basket, it drops at the foot of the basket, it's a tap in right away. Yep, for the win. So, I mean, absolutely, I love being able to walk through that because it was so back and forth. And man, Paul, Paul Macbeth, we're no, we're not surprised. I mean, but especially we are surprised because the struggles he had on five and six in round one and round three. You think mm-hmm. if he just parred those, he would have had smooth sailing, three stroke lead, four stroke lead. Yeah, no worries. Did maybe it, it it ignite him to be able to do that? You look back at Champions Cup, shot a what over par round, and then goes and shoots the course record. Yeah, there's some things that empower you to do those things and find that like that that dig deep mentality of a world champion. Right. But yeah, it was crazy. But Calvin Heimberg, he in the post round interview, he even said he was like, "Look, this is what feels like my first legitimate win since I won this tournament in 2020." Yeah. That being, he won the match play. He was like, "I mean, it's kind of a weird format." He won Ledgestone. But Ledgestone had the final round canceled. So, I mean, right. really, there's been statistics saying Calvin's amazing until that final round. He's shooting a little bit lower 
than than expected in that it's final round. Not time. able to close it out. Closing. But my goodness, the drive on eighteen, then the drive on one. Calvin Heimberg closed it freaking out. He was feeling it. Yes. I I think Calvin had confidence going into that those last few holes. Um, the eagle on sixteen definitely helped. Yep. And for him and Paul both to do that. Yeah. I mean, that was epic. Yeah. I just love that there were so many. I mean, the difference of FPO where it was 10 strokes. This was back to back, all four players in the lead card tied a third of the way through the final round. Gosh, it was I amazing. mean, it was incredible to see. And let's continue down the leaderboard here. Kevin Jones, home course advantage, being here in Jonesboro, or being, he's in, I mean, some Greenwood, I believe, in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a big question mark. I was listening to another podcast at Ulti World uh, called The Upshot, and they were talking about who, what players are you most worried about this season. One of them was Kyle Klein, one was Kevin Jones. And it was saying, you know, where kind of had they been? They had a good starting to the year, but then kind of had fallen off. And Kevin Jones showing that he has the freaking stuff yeah. to get it done and on a course that is very different from what we've played. But I think it just shows that Kevin is here to play. He lives up to the contract that he re-signed with Prodigy. Yep. He's got discs that are his line of discs coming with the reverb, with the distortion, with more more coming soon. It's just validated. Reverb. All the time. Oh, it's like his main driver. It is all the time. Yeah. I, I will say, one person here was not surprised about Kevin Jones' performance because that was my pick last week. I don't know if you remember it. I do remember this. I, I was said, hoping I you wouldn't I, bring I, it up. I said, I want to see the resurgence <laughs> of Kevin Jones. And after he was tied yeah. going into hole 18, I was like, it's I was like, it's going to go. But um, my luck is not that good. Uh, yeah. And neither is KJ's because... Yeah, the but other two competitors. We had Jump Putt Jones, the resurgence of that. Oh, it, was I, awesome. I, it was so exciting to see Kevin so playing well. Yeah. Such a good, positive, just in, fun guy to have on a card. Um, someone, after winning the Champions Cup, Mr. Chris Dickerson, came out and a little bit of a slow start, but when it counted, he shoots 10 down in the final round, jumps up, I believe, five spots, that five is, yeah. to be able to go into solo fourth place. Um, I mean, he's the one who said, Going into the open courses, not that difficult of a thing to happen. Um, I mean, he's jumped into a brand new bag and won a major and is now, I mean, top four again. Yeah. that I mean, consistency out of out of Chris, for sure. We're, we're going to continue to see that, I yeah. imagine. We've seen it from your robot chicken is a real thing. <laughs> it absolutely um, is. <laughs> someone who we've seen consistency and some inconsistency out of, Gannon Burr. Mm-hmm. On the final day from the fourth card, Jumps four spots with a minus nine into solo fifth. Gannon's performance in that that last round was really amazing. If you guys yeah. didn't get a chance to watch it, go back and watch the chase card. Um, no, he was on fourth card. Fourth card. So he wasn't even filmed. My bad, you guys. You can't watch it unless you go <laughs> watch unless the, you DGN, the DGN coverage. They did show some yeah. highlights of, of Gannon's play in that last round. Yeah. Uh, him climbing the leaderboard but congrats again and i love again i love to see yeah. such a youngster performing so well yep um continuing down as we wrap this thing up uh matteo no surprise here i believe matteo now is he number five in the world number six, six. in the world matteo is climbing the leaderboard on any course on any style it, it's amazing with a new sponsor he was sponsored with latitude years ago so it kind of feels like he's coming yes. back to some old discs there is some you know formality there but matteo well done and Simon Lazat tied for sixth. I mean, it was surprising to see the minus 13. That's definitely what 
you know, propelled him to be able to have a top 10 finish. But oh, yeah. this has got to be his first top 10 finish in a long time. Yeah, well, he was injured for a little while. Yeah. Um, I mean, had a baby, got married. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's lots, a lot. Lots of life but, events, and, and, you know, he wasn't playing as well as he had in the past. Right. You know? But it, you're right. It is great to see him back out there slinging some hot rounds, doing what Simon does, and bombing. Mm-hmm. And Alden Harris, we've already talked about, our, our boy from, from Georgia. But I think one thing I want to say about this is all – he was on lead card three rounds. Yeah. Or two rounds. Two. Um, I believe, yeah. And – Joe West commentators, Big Germ, was constantly saying, like, what a joy it's been to watch Alden play. Sexton saying he's turned this touch, this course that's a power course to make it look like it's a touch finesse course. And it just goes he to show, like, it. the style of Alden Harris, the backhand dominance. It has this this beauty to his style. Maybe it's his long flowing locks. You're a man of long hair. Maybe <laughs> you can speak to that a little bit. But it's, oh, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, it's powerful to have long hair. So um, it makes everything you do look easier. Just think what Alden could do with a beard. Oh, man. One day. <laughs> one day. One day. Probably he'll, not. He'll get there. He'll get there. Um, but really, he does make everything look so much easier. His mm-hmm. backhand, I mean, you see him throw a putter with ease 400 plus. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense why all those, all the guys are noticing it. I love that he's getting the national recognition. Yep. It's this old school That's style. I feel like he's bringing yeah. like, it's this backhand dominance and it's, it's obviously he's a buddy of ours. We're excited to see it. Um, but I mean, an amazing finish. Joel Freeman also tied for sixth. I mean, had a pretty consistent time himself. Yeah. Only one bogey on the last day. Um, but as we wrap this up, Eagle McMahon, not finishing the tournament. There was a couple of other names that were kind of surprising to not finish. Not sure what happened with them. Um, but it was definitely, just surprising to see and we were kind of i don't want to say expecting because it was sad but eagle coming back a little bit earlier than people expected um he threw left-handed at the uh, all-stars he went on social media i saw he dnf'd and i didn't uh, he was kind of further down the leaderboard so he wasn't on coverage he went on instagram stories and said that his shoulder actually did pop out of place again on hole six so he dropped out final round after hole six um and he on instagram stories was pretty vocal about it said he's traveling back home to Colorado and he has already has a plan and has a professional care plan to fully recover. Um, so it's, it's hard to see, but I think it's good that he had that realization again that, Hey, I thought I was good and I'm not as a professional athlete. You have to know when your body can't handle the rigor of your profession. Yeah. You have to take a step back and let your body recover until Mm -hmm. it's ready to take that, that on. He thought he was ready. I mean, you, right. you obviously, all of us, if you're listening, you're a disc golf player or a fan at least. If you can't go out and play, it's painful. Yeah. And I, I, I went through it, a year and a half of not being able to throw 300 feet. It's not even. It's I mean, horrifying. It's, it's, it's brutal mentally. It's yeah. your thing. For him, it's his livelihood. Literally. Like yeah. you, you cannot do what you feel like you were created to do. So there's, I, I do not fault him for trying to get back on the course as soon as possible. Right. That type of injury, though, is so wishy-washy if mm-hmm. you don't have all the x-rays consistently and you're not doing MRIs all the, for the tendons. Exactly, the man. I'm, it's, there's a lot going into that. So and I'm a glad. shoulder. That's a complex thing. I mean, you see it in baseball all the time. And right. It's going to be more common in disc golf now that guys are just ripping drives all the time. Yeah. But I'm proud of him for being able to just say it to the world. Yeah. Um, he seemed a little emotional, but he was pretty straight factual he's like my arm just popped out i'm gonna go home i've got this already lined up right you guys you know can be worried about me but 
I feel good about my plan moving forward. Peace out. I'll see you soon. Right. So I, I love the way he, he kind he dealt of, with it. He, yeah, he kind of signed off a little bit. Um, I wish him the best Of course, recovery, all the doctors just, you know, I, I hope everyone's on, on the right track with, with getting him back and getting him healthy. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up here for Jonesboro, man. It's, it's an amazing tournament. It's quick after a major. I feel like maybe there should have been a week of rest, but guess what? There's no, no rest. rest because we are headed in to time of this recording is Monday night, the 25th in three days, we are going to be starting the world championship preview tournament dynamic discs open. Gosh, I love the DDO. It's funny because as viewers, as people <laughs> who are not touring pros, it's easy to this say is, that. This is fun. It's an amazing place. It really feels like it's the mecca of disc golf tournaments. Yeah. I mean, I mean, goodness gracious, the event itself. There is amateur flex starts every single day starting the week before. There is many disc golf tournaments at breweries. There's putting tournaments. There's pro panels. There's live music. The whole city pretty much just shuts down and has signs that say, welcome disc golfers. You're getting free bowling at places. <laughs> You're getting free beer. Free I mean, bowling? Yeah. There was a bowling alley that's like free free bowling to competitors. Like Dude, I remember seeing on social media. That's better than the free beer. <laughs> that's <laughs> Bowling awesome, better than beer. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I don't know, you guys. I mean, I've made my own beer. I've never made my own bowling alley. <laughs> I've never made my... That's what we're doing this week. Follow us on Parked Podcast. We're going to make a bowling alley. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but... What a cool what a cool thing, though. All, the, all yeah. that, to have a city coming together to mm-hmm. put on a tournament, I'm pumped. Yeah. I can't wait. So many courses around there. The home of Dynamic Discs, of course. Um, but this year... We have a new course called the Supreme 18 at Jones Park designed by Eric McCabe, um, world champion Eric McCabe. If you're newer to the sport, man won the world championships uh, Thursday and Friday. So two rounds going to be playing the Supreme 18 new layout. Obviously the best holes of Jones Park. We saw Jones gold last year, I believe it's expected to be a very difficult course ended yeah. up not being players shooting way in the double digits. This one looking like it has a lot more teeth. I'm excited to see a new course and it's a preview of what was going to happen at the world championships. Right. And also we're going to be playing the Emporia country club, absolute bomber of a course. Yeah. And that'll uh, be Saturday and Sunday. Yes. And so for those, the final two rounds, of course, being that's a four round tournament, going to cut the field to the top 40%. For the MPO, top 50% for FPO, um, plus ties. So definitely going to have that final round cut, which I like. I think that says, hey, if you're not playing it, you don't you don't get to play the final round. You're not going to play on Sunday. Yep. Yeah. And if you make the final day Sunday, you're not guaranteed payout. Then it is the top 40% of that payout. So it's even more of a cut, um, which Whoa. is pretty intense. Um, that is but intense. it's a four-round tournament. It's a preview for the World Championships. I think there's a lot riding on this. This is far enough away from the World Championships that – I think there's going to be some time to change a little bit of stuff. Nothing too major with the course or with, with the courses okay. and be able to say, Hey, do we need to change the basket placement a little bit? Do we need to make these, what works, what doesn't spectators? I mean, there's so many things. Get some feedback. I don't like that. We're playing the same courses twice in the year, in the year. I'm, I I'm with you. There. It happened last year, but Utah open was just an A tier. It was kind of a tweener. Yeah. Some people chose to do it to say, Hey, I want to have a prep Practice. time, a tournament setting for the world championships. But this is a, it's an elite series pro tour event that we're coming back and playing. So I don't know, leave it in the comments below. Let us know what you think about that. Um, kind of a, a, it's hit or miss in my opinion. I would want to hear from the players, honestly, yeah. what do they think? And I think we will hear it this week. Yeah. Even through the practice rounds, I think we're going to be able to see as those start definitely be following all your favorite pros on social media to kind of see what they're thinking about that new course. Uh, always exciting to have a new one. Um, but yeah, Emporia, definitely a bucket list to be able to go to. I'll be going to the world championships later on this year. Um, Zach, hope you join me. Maybe we'll see. 
fingers that's crossed. That's all I got right now, man. <laughs> that's all crossed. I got. That's all he's got. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, just I'm excited for it. Dynamic disc open. Uh, windy as peep. Um, it's gonna be just we've seen players putt with drivers yeah, at this tournament. I yeah. mean, we've seen 40 mile per hour winds. We've seen hilarious scores where the hot round was like minus three because oh the wind gosh. was so much that's epic i mean it's kansas <laughs> it's 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 what makes these courses tough but when they're not windy the one day out of it you're going to see scores that are going to be super super hot all right so all that considered we're going to put five bucks on it who's your pick my pick for mpo oh i'm gonna start fpo and i think we're gonna see oh this is so they're both so tough <laughs> oh i think I don't know. If you know yours, go. I'm I'm really on the fence. All right. Well, I'm, we can we can both agree maybe, but I'm taking Kristen for the FBO. Yeah. I think her consistency out here. I'm I'm pumped to see. Yeah. Um. And MPO at DDO. I got mine. I've 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 got a Ricky. I've got ah, a Ricky. Yeah. That's that's what I'm going. He won with. the World Championships. His first World Championships at a variation of Country Club. So there's that. Okay. He's, this is his home tournament. Yeah. Being with dynamic discs, it's a big, it's a, it's your home thing. It's, I mean, like I said, we're big Formula One fans. It's yeah. like Ferrari coming to Italy. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is your tournament. Yeah. So Ricky, I think is a favorite. I'm going to say Kevin Jones. I think he has the skill. I think this course is not very far off from Arkansas style of golf and it's going to be the wind. I think there's some technical shots and he's played well at DDO in the past. Um, I was actually going to say Eagle going into this tournament because this was his breakout glass blown open was where yeah. you heard the name Eagle McMahon, right. but of course not going to be happening. But yeah, so those are our picks. Let us know yours. Um, I'm so excited for it just because it is a world's preview. Yeah. So. It, there's nothing better than a weekend full of disc golf. Yeah. So. I mean, really two weeks solid. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. But yeah, definitely tune in DGN, Jomez, Gatekeeper, everything to be able to follow that um but yeah man that about wraps it up here for episode five of in the mix um man definitely follow us over at parked podcast like and subscribe here at gatekeeper media leave some comments below for some things maybe you want to talk to us about if you have any questions for zach have any questions for me um hit us up on socials we'd love to continue the conversation over there but uh, thank you for listening for us here at gatekeeper media my name is mitch phillips i'm zach harrison and we'll see you at the dynamic discs open next week Peace, love, and disc golf, y'all. Peace, love, and disc golf, baby.